Ephesians chapter 6. Some of you um, already know what's about to happen because tonight is the last night in our series through the letter to the Ephesians. How about it? How about it? Um, you know, they didn't tell me they were going to do that whole um, spiel at the beginning. They did that on purpose because I would probably have said, don't do that. Let's just talk about it afterwards, you know. But we are grateful for uh, this church. We're grateful, most importantly, for all that God is doing here. We're going to talk some about even what I'm about to say later as we get in the text. But whether it's me, whether it's Marcus, whether it's Adam, whether it's Billy Graham, whether it's Charles Spurgeon or whoever it may be up here watering. It really doesn't matter because God's the one who gives the increase. God's the one who sows and makes the seed come to life. He uses our hands to sow it, but make no mistake, the power is in him. And City Church and every other church is going to be just fine in the end because we're his bride and he cares more deeply than you can imagine about his bride and he promises to make her beautiful in her time and I'm just grateful and honored to be a part of the bride I'm really really grateful to be a part of the bride and Bertie is clapping and you didn't see that but me and Adam shared a moment and that was Hallmark-esque and it should be on a video or a movie they could do something really big with that moment that just happened and I'm uh, you know okay my name's Jared for those of you I don't know I'm one of the pastors here and I'm excited to be and we are closing out our series in Ephesians tonight next week as we mentioned we're going to be not in this building just as a reminder don't come here we're not going to be here we're going to be down the road in good old God's country Lula Georgia at the Walters barn and uh Miss Amy Lynn has sold a lot of houses in God's country can I get a and we're going there to be a part of the family together have a good meal as we talked about earlier but that's October 31st that is Halloween, we're going to be celebrating together all that God is doing in the family. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. So that's a standalone week. The week after that, we're launching into a brand new series called A Journey of Faith. And it's going to be through uh, some highlights of the life of Abraham and his journey as we consider all that God is leading us to as individuals and as a church. We know that this is a journey of faith and to look at Father Abraham is a really good example of someone who had great faith and walked by faith for us to model after. So I can't wait for that. That's going to take us through the end of the year and then literally like almost exactly to the end of the year right before Christmas. Then we'll do a big Christmas service and then uh, at the beginning of the year we're going to launch into a new teaching on our values, what we value here at City Church. So really excited for the rest of this season, and I'm telling you, if Birdie keeps giving me affirmation, we're going to be preaching for 50 minutes, all right? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. 
All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, let's read this first, and then, and then we, can, we can dive in together. Everybody got your Bible? If you don't, it's on the screen or your phone. Um, let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 21. Final greetings, final words, final. This is, this is Paul's last words to the Ephesians. So that, Paul says, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse 23, peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Love incorruptible. I read the first time I read that, I wanted to title the sermon Love Incorruptible, but that was just because it sounded cool. That's not the title of the sermon because this is the way the Lord works. But it is amazing that we have a love that's incorruptible. Why is it incorruptible? Is it incorruptible because you are something special? Or is it incorruptible because Jesus Christ has purchased your redemption by the shedding of his innocent blood and nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from that love in him. Praise God for a love incorruptible. It's about all I'm going to say about that, but I love it. We're going to look at two things tonight, two very important things. We're going to look at Paul's final words, and we're going to look at who he chose to deliver them. So what are the final words, and who did he choose to deliver those final words? Final words are very important. Final greetings, impartations, benedictions, it comes in various forms, different things where we, you can do it in different ways. There's a lot of things in scripture we could turn to, but we're familiar with, with final words, parting words, very important and it's significant. Sometimes in the Bible though, when we read final words, especially in things like this, if there's a long list, which this one isn't like that really, but sometimes, you know, it's a long list of names and it feels administrative, and it feels like those are the parts maybe that you skip over or gloss over and get to the next part to make sure you check off the box on the Bible reading plan and finish at the end of the year. No, call, not, I'm not calling any names, but <clears throat> just kidding. So we, when we gloss over these things, sometimes we miss some very important truth. And the reality is Paul is giving us words for a reason. He paid careful attention to these, and the Holy Spirit inspired every word that he wrote. And so I'm excited to dig in to these final words today and see the reason behind it. My wife is not here tonight. She's on a trip with our kids. Uh, pray for her. She has all three of them, and um, she's six hours away. So that's brave and bold. And she is with other people, but, you know, on the way back on Tuesday, with a van full of three kids as a whole thing. But she's, she's there right now, and she loves novels. Anybody love novels? Few people love novels. Dawson didn't raise his hand, and he's writing one, so I'm confused about that. Uh, just, I'm not kidding, actually. But um, 
She loves novels, especially historical fiction. And she reads these massive books, and she loves it, and she just pours over it. She digs deep into it. And she gets so enthralled with the story, she'll read for hours and hours, well into the night. And she'll wake me up, and it's late. And she's like, Jared, i got to tell you what's happening in my book. i got to tell you. And I'm like, another time, babe. Another time. But she's so excited because she, she loves the story. And so the other night, she, woke, she didn't wake me up on purpose. She woke me up because she was sobbing uncontrollably. No lie. Like, I thought something was actually wrong. And I rolled over, and she, she's crying in the bed. And this is not an exaggeration. She has a little clip-on. Some of you may have this little clip-on light that comes over the top of the book. And she's in the bed reading the book. It's 2 a.m. I roll over. She's sobbing. What is wrong? It's just my book. It's just my book. It's just my book. So I roll over, mildly frustrated, fall asleep, wake up the next morning. I'm like, babe, are you okay? She's like, yeah, thanks for caring. That was actually the second time I read the last chapter. The first time I read, I was crying louder, and that didn't seem to budge you at all. So if something was actually wrong, we would be in trouble. It's like, whoo. So... She cares, here's the point, she cares so deeply about the final words that she, re she reads them multiple times, multiple times over, and is just pouring over it to the point of crying. So that got me thinking about other novels and the way that they end, right? This is not a novel that we're reading, just to be clear. This is a letter to a group of people that was inspired by the Holy Spirit that's the most important message that the people in Ephesus could possibly receive. And, but... As Paul finished his letter and finished with final words, we see different literary works and how they finished with final words as well. And we, we take them seriously. And I was thinking about that when it, when it comes to different stories that are famous. And anybody heard of The Great Gatsby? No, but you know the book. You, maybe you've seen the movie, uh, or at least you've heard of it. It's pretty, um, pretty well known. When they... When they wrote the book, F. Scott Fitzgerald actually was the author in 1925. When he wrote the book, it didn't sell well at all in the beginning. I didn't realize this until I looked it up. He actually was quoted saying that it was a flop. And then 15 years later, they printed a second, 15 years after he died, they printed a second round of the, of the book and it was collecting dust. And then much later, it actually took off, and then in 2013, I think, they make a movie out of it and revived it again. And so this book, he actually never saw what came of the work that he did in this book. And he was quoted before he died actually saying that it was a flop. And I find that interesting, and I find it relevant when you look at the way the book ends. This is the final words of the great Gatsby. This story of hope and, and, and prosperity and wealth and chasing your dreams ends with this, with this final word. So we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. So we just beat on against the current, and we just get beat back ceaselessly 
into the past. All of my travails ended in death and suicide and ruin. And the narrator comes in. So we just continue ceaselessly being beat back into the past with no hope. I can't think of a more hopeless situation. A more hopeless final word. And I can't think of a more opposite final word than what Paul gives us today and what he gave to the people in Ephesus. Because the hope that the world, the hope that the world has to give is at best to be in the boat chasing your dreams, getting beat back ceaselessly into the past by the current. And the waves, but the hope of the gospel is that our inheritance is secure because it's been paid for by blood, and that blood is incorruptible. And now we pursue a, an eternity that far outweighs anything, any trouble that we can experience in this life. Our eternal inheritance is better than you can imagine. And so I want you to pay attention to the hopeful words of Paul. And I want to look back at verse 23 here. Paul says, peace be to the brothers. That word brothers is a, a masculine noun, but it's used to describe the community of faith, the Christian community. So it's not just men, it's also Women, the Christian community. Peace be to the brothers, the love and, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. We see so much of, of the hope that we have, and we see so much of Paul's heart in this. I want you to think about this. I was challenged by this when we think about. The final words that we choose and we, we think about the wishes that we would have for people in our lives that we would be writing letters to. What, what, do you, what would be those wishes? What would you pin down? Would you, would you maybe consider um, happiness or comfort? Would you consider safety or prosperity? Like, what do we say to our friends when we leave them? You know, are we, like, where, how do we wish them well? How do we send them off? And I find it interesting when I think about that, and I find it challenging when I think about the fact that Paul didn't express any wishes that were outward experiences. He spoke directly to these inward graces, these, these inward realities. He said, peace be with you and love with faith and grace be to you also secure in Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. I want to I break down these four words, peace, love, faith, grace, just really quick here. That word peace, Irene, 
It means peace, quietness, rest. It means, but it also means to be one. It means to join together and to be whole. And the, this is going to be a dad joke moment, but the irony about Irene is that it's talking of, nobody thinks that, no, okay, my Greek's bad enough to where it sounds like irony. And the irony about Irene is that it's talking about a piece that's used to describe unity and union and a completeness that's together. So Paul is speaking to the church, the bride of Christ, and he's saying, have peace. Peace be to you, brothers and sisters, the household of God. That you may be whole, that you may be complete, that you may be together, joined in union as the body of Christ. And then he says, so peace be to the brothers and love with faith. Love, agape, that's the word there. Agape is a divine love. It's self-sacrificial love. it's, It's best visible in the love of Christ. That's what we see in Christ's love, this full, complete Self-sacrificial, divine love. This, so Paul's talking about the love of Christ to them and then their love to Christ and their love to one another. You see him do it for you and you love him with that same love and now you love others because of that love that you've received and you can now give. Love with faith. Love is coupled with faith. This is interesting how love can be connected so closely in this way because the truth is faith is the companion of love. Faith is our access to this love, this agape love, this divine love. The only way that we can have access to this love is by faith. And faith in Christ receives, this is how we receive all that he has to offer. So it's this access, the faith In him is the access to love. And as we see his face, as we see his love for us and we're receiving it, we're also being changed and transformed into that same image. Peace and love with faith. And then finally he says, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Grace is the means by which we receive it all. By grace alone are we saved in Christ alone. And it's by grace, this is the means by which we receive all of these gifts that he gives us. And the simplicity, I love how Paul brings it down to an all-encompassing reality that through Christ we have all we need. It's by His grace alone. It's through faith alone. We're connected to this love that secures us for eternity and that we can have peace with one another because we have peace with Him. This is the final words. These are the final words that Paul chose. And now 
we're going to consider the man that Paul chose to deliver those final words. Tychicus. I love that. Tychicus. Some people say Tychicus. I don't know what's right because it's about 60-40 of what people say. I'm not sure there is a right one, but it's an awesome name. Tychicus. How many names do you have that can be pronounced in two different ways and be awesome both ways? You know, Tychicus, Tychicus. Tychicus was an unheralded servant. He was an unsung hero. We don't hear much about him. He didn't write any letters for us to read. His name is not on anything except for it appears five times in Scripture, once here in Ephesians, once in Acts, once in Titus, once in Colossians, and once in 2 Timothy. And in each of those places, there's really not that much for us to see about Tychicus. Little known Tychicus. In Acts 20, we see his name listed with a bunch of others. And, and, and Luke, the author of Acts, is telling us that he's from Asia. There's actually a good chance, a lot of scholars believe, that he could have originally been from Ephesus. We see there in Acts that he is from Asia. In Titus, chapter 3, Paul is writing, and, and he's, he's saying he might send Tychicus, or he could send someone else. He's not even really sure if he's going to send him. That's the only mention we have right there uh, before he expounds further. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul uses strikingly similar language to this in Ephesians. And we'll get to that in a second to describe Tychicus. And then 2 Timothy 4, he's described briefly there as well. And it's interesting that Paul is... Describing his relationship to Tychicus with few words, but when we read in between the lines, we can see that their friendship spans a great deal of time. From Acts 20 to 2 Timothy, which most likely was Paul's final letter chronologically, Tychicus was there with him as a fellow servant, according to Paul, as a beloved friend. Tychicus was there for the long haul he stood the test faithfully with Paul but we don't hear much about him and we know that he was the mailman we know that he carried this letter to the Ephesians we also know that he carried the letter to the Colossians and there's good chance that he carried the letter to 2 Timothy of 2 Timothy to Timothy and there's an, an also a good chance that he carried the letter to Philemon with Onesimus we're not quite sure about those but we're very sure that he carried the letter to the Ephesians and to the Colossians this is a big deal. Carrying these letters was very important and highly dangerous. They're, oftentimes it was a long way, and they didn't have the same means of transportation, obviously, that we do. And this road, this trip from Rome to Ephesus, because we know that Paul was arrested in Rome, right, when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. So this trip from Rome to Ephesus was approximately 1,200 miles that Tychicus journeyed. It's a long way. 
This is no easy journey. It's not glamorous. There's not even much to say for it. There's so little to say for it in Scripture that we sometimes forget these realities that they had to take this papyrus across country and preserve it. The, the most important, think about this, how long it must have taken to write this down, to pour over it, to seek God for His voice, to pour His voice out through His Holy Spirit, and then to take it and deliver it to the people that He intended it for. And it's still here. Like, is, does it not strengthen your faith that that actually happened? And he made it. And there's not much to say about it in Scripture. And he made it. And he took it. And he was faithful. Paul trusted him. Verse 21, we read it a minute ago. So that you also may know that how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Tychicus was sent by, by, by God ultimately. He was given this mission, this little known mission, but very, very big and important mission and Paul trusted him to do it truly an unsung hero of the New Testament how do we I was thinking about this how can we account for people like Tychicus in our Christian heritage like how can we even measure the impact of people like this who sacrificed so much to deliver the message of the gospel, the message of hope, the message of the Christian life. Where are the accolades? Where is the praise? Nobody's talking about my man Tychicus. Do you think he was motivated by the accolades or the praise? Probably not. Maybe he had some temptation along the way. Maybe 600 miles in, parched, laying on a rock for a bit. Maybe he thought to himself, does anybody know what I'm doing right now? Does anybody care? Is a robber going to get me in the next hundred miles and just rip this all to shreds? I want to sink deeply into his shoes and consider what could have been and how difficult it must have been. But he clearly took the servant role. 
he clearly played the background faithfully. He clearly didn't chase the spotlight. He just served willingly and faithfully and became the shoulders for Paul and for others to stand on. I think it's impossible to measure the impact of humble servants like Tychicus. Just like I think it's impossible to measure the impact of parents in this room who stay home and spend hours sowing seeds into children or teenagers. Pouring your life into them and developing them most of the time in obscurity. Nobody sees what you're doing. Nobody sees the, the late night prayers that you're having with your daughter who's considering doing some things that she should not be doing. And those hours you spent praying with her and pouring your heart out into her and pouring truth into her, it's unseen, that's unsung, but it's immeasurable the impact that it's going to have down the road when her story becomes a story that somebody else needs to hear. But for the mentor that consistently disciples the next generation and pours out one-on-one, one-on-two, behind closed doors. It's not up here for everybody to see. You didn't receive a gift like I did. You're doing it behind the scenes and you are the shoulders for us to stand on, for that next generation that you're pouring into to stand on and continue in the faith and to forge ahead so that we don't end up like the great Gatsby did. Because we have a hope that goes far beyond what we can see in front of us. And we sow. We sow the seed. We sow the seed. And we trust the Lord of the harvest to bring the increase as He so chooses. Even when the sun isn't shining on it today, eventually He will bring the increase. Even if I'm gone, when the increase comes, it's not for me, it's for him and him alone. And when that's the case, the impact is great. Paul added one phrase to Tychicus's bio, if you will, in Colossians chapter 4. I told you it was similar language. We're going to put verse 7 on the screen. It's very similar to what he said in the letter to, to the Ephesians, verse 7 of Colossians 4, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant. I want you to think about this. This, was, this is basically all we get about Tychicus. And I wonder if you would be satisfied with that on your headstone. Beloved brother, beloved sister, faithful 
minister and fellow servant. If it comes down to the bottom and all of our trophies are gone, which they will be, and what's left on your headstone is beloved, faithful, and servant, would you be satisfied? And to take it a step deeper, what if no one visited that grave side? Because there's coming a day where everybody that knows you and knew about you is going to be under the ground too. So eventually nobody's going to be visiting the gravesite. Beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant. 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5, the people were, 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 were choosing which minister they liked the best. They were arguing about who was better, and it was a competition happening, and Paul just squashes it. This is how he responds, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. What am I, Paul said? What is he? What does it matter? We are merely servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Servants. Jesus taught us the greatest role in the kingdom of God is a servant. Jesus came to earth and flipped it completely upside down. He said, I come, the, the Son of Man comes, not to be served, but to serve. And here's how I'm going to do it. Lay his life down as a ransom for many. He completely flipped it upside down. And he said, in this world, I know that it's not the greatest role to be a servant. In fact, that's the lowest role. But what I'm telling you is what's the lowest here is the greatest there. The greatest role in the kingdom of God is to be a servant. God uses humble, faithful servants to accomplish his work. I found, this, I found this poem today, literally, this morning. I found this poem, and I'm going to read it all the way. And I'm going to print it on a banner at some point, but it's kind of long, so it'll be a really big banner. It's called A Chosen Vessel, and the author is unknown. And I tried to find the author. I can't find it, so apparently he's unknown, which really goes well with the poem, and you'll see why. The master was searching for a vessel to use. On the shelf there were many. Which one would he choose? Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. 
And for someone like you, Master, gold would be best. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Hear, hear, cried the vessel. I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride. And I'm sure I'll be happy your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood. Polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. Then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay. Empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Oh, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor the one who is big mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his contents so proud, not the one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthly vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed and filled it that day. Spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. The chosen vessel. Surely Tychicus had this attitude. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7 reminds us. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. And he has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. This, this is the hope of the Christian life. Not that we would be shiny, not that we would be perfect, not that we would be splendid on the shelf, not that we would have the best words and the biggest mouth. But that we would be useless apart from the power of the one who is almighty and the one who ordained it all from before the foundation of the world. We have this treasure in jars of clay to prove that the power is not in us, but it's in him and him alone. This is the attitude of Tychicus, I believe. I believe that he 
chose this humble path. Just use me. I don't need the accolades. I will walk this road because I've been called and I've been commissioned and I have everything I need because I have you. Some of you tonight may not be, may not feel ready to do what you know God's called you to do. Some of you tonight may be thinking about how to prepare yourself better before you start to open your mouth and share the good news of what God has done inside of you. And I want to encourage you as clearly as I can that he uses useless clay and he puts his power inside of it. And that power shines so bright that eventually they're going to forget it was you. And that's great because that's when he wins. That's when he gets the glory. That's when his kingdom is advanced. We have to be willing to be obscure. We have to be willing to be humble. We have to be willing to serve like the least of these in order to see his glory in the earth. We don't know if Tychicus helped scribe this letter. We don't know if he helped write it. He could have. We don't know that. But we do know that he was close enough with Paul in order to take this letter to the Ephesians and be able to explain it, to be able to expound on it, to be able to, as Paul said, tell you everything. What a thought that he's, that he's close enough, that, he, that, that Paul is preparing him to take the letter and to read the letter, to read from the papyrus when he gets there and to answer questions and to expound on the text. And I have this, this picture in my head. I'm imagining them gathering around and Paul's chained to the, to the guard and he's there with Tychicus and they're talking about this text that's been written and they're, they're emotional about all that God is doing and they see that this is the most important message for the people in Ephesus to receive and they're praying over it and Paul is preparing Tychicus to go and to take it and to explain it and to make sure that they have it and they hear it and they can understand it and I could just see them gathering around saying Tychicus do you remember towards the beginning of the letter because there weren't chapters and verses then you know so towards the beginning of the letter this is the gospel and you were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all, we all, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, Tychicus, but God, being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us. Even while we were dead, even when there was no hope, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Tell them. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Tell them. Take it to them. Just, just read it plainly. Tychicus, just give it to them plainly. You remember when we prayed for boldness? Do you remember that what we were praying for is not for us to be bold and brave and get credit, but for us to just be Clear and plain. May boldness be plainness, Tychicus. Just take it there, right in the face of what they're dealing with, because Ephesus is the hub of all kinds of evil worship. Just take it plainly in the middle of it. Because this is the hope for them, just like it's the hope for us. And here's the thing. This is the whole message tonight. We can all be a Tychicus. The question is, are you willing to not be written about, but with a few words? Because for some of us, the problem is we're not being like Tychicus, because we would rather have the name of Paul. So I don't think I'm going to serve in that way, because I'd rather serve over here, where it's more visible and where it's more known, because the impact is greater. The interesting thing about that is Paul's name is, is big. But what Paul said about his name is what is Paul? Paul is the least of all sinners. The worst of all sinners is what Paul said about Paul. The interesting thing about that is Paul considered himself even lower. And that's who God uses. So are we willing 
to take that low path? Are we willing to stoop low enough to serve? Even when nobody's going to know. Even when people will gloss over it at the beginning or the end of a letter. Oh, may we be like Tychicus. Carriers of the most important message anyone could ever hear. Ephesians 1, 7 through 9. In Him we have redemption through His blood. That's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which... He set forth in Christ. May we be like Tychicus. May we take this message of hope to the world around us. As we close, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. May this be the posture of us. May we be known by this willingness. May we be known by this humility. And may we be bold in our proclamation of this truth. Father God in heaven, we are here for you. We're here for you only. We hear you speaking to us through your word. God, I pray that you seal it on our hearts. I pray that you make us more like you. Pray that you make us more humble so that we can be used. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.